Two weeks ago, I gave a prophetic word about shouting, and we talked about, or God talked about, prophesied that there was going to not only be revival fire in America, but he said that there was going to be, uh, there's going to be freedom fire, fire of freedom that's going to burn in America. And he said, what's in your shout? He said, what's in your shout? What's in your shout is your breath. And you're breathing upon the embers. You know, when you, those that are outdoors people know that when you breathe upon the embers, you're causing the flame to flicker and for the fire to begin to restart. As long as there are embers there, you can breathe on it. And in our shout, as we're shouting, we're breathing this morning, we're breathing, we're exhaling the spirit of God into our situation. We're exhaling God, his presence. We're releasing God. You know, God can do anything he wants to do. But he has designed it that he works through the agency of his people. He did that. He gave you dominion. He gave me dominion. He gave us authority. And so it's what we proclaim. It's what we declare. It's what we pray. And when we do that, as we praise and shout and give God praise and, and pray and all those prophetic declarations, we are releasing God onto the scene. We're giving him access to move on our behalfs in the earth. And so we prophesied that a couple Sundays ago, and then we begin to pray into that, my wife and I, and begin to believe God for that. And we said the word was also to begin to continue to shout. Don't stop shouting, even to this next week and so on. So we felt led to go into the, the, our podcast and talk about it uh, that week, uh, about shout. And then unbeknownst to us, the Holy Spirit had us again on Sunday to address it. But we tag team. How many enjoyed the tag team ministry of Jeff and Robin Pruitt? Who is better? Me or, no, just kidding. She's fantastic. I'm not gonna, I already know. I already know. So the truth of the matter is, is that we had an incredible time. I felt like God was really saying a lot and got a lot of feedback from people about that. And so we learned a lot about what God is saying right now in this hour um, concerning us moving into this next season, which I want to address. By the way, who's ready to come out of your debt? How about your poverty, lack, sickness, discouragement, depression, loneliness, just barely getting by. Everybody say, I'm coming out. Say it like you mean it. I'm coming out. No more is the devil going to hold me bound. No more am I going to be a prisoner to my circumstances. God has already made a way for me where there seems to be no way and the same is true for each and every single one of you. The title of my message this morning is He Made a Way. Father, we thank you today, Lord God, as we have been in your presence and just received so much. And Lord, even as we were preaching there a moment ago and prophesying and, and praying together as a body, Lord God, Lord, we know that great uh, answers are coming from the kingdom of God. We know there's great warfare in the heavenlies, Lord God. What a privilege. What an honor it is to be able to be those, Lord God, you called upon to fight for you in this day and in this hour, Lord God. Strengthen us. Uh, give us that peace and, and that joy that gives us strength today, we pray in Jesus' name. And, 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 and strengthen our bodies, Lord God, and, and sharpen our minds as well as our spirits, we pray. And God, let there be an anointing upon this day to receive everything you have for us as we move into this next stage. In Jesus' precious name, And the church said, amen and amen. So God made a way for people to have two reset seasons every single year called the Holy Days or the Feast of Days. 
And um, we are now going to be entering in one in just a moment, which I'll talk about. But the feast days means this. It means the appointed time. So God says, I'm going to set an appointment with mankind. He said, these days will live on forever. They're going to be forever. We probably even have them in heaven. When he says forever, it means eternal. So it's forever and forever for us to be able to pass on to our children, children's children, and so on. And so the feast days, again, are called the appointed time. God sets an appointment with you and with me. Uh, literally, the constellations, stars begin to align. I'm not talking about astrology. I'm talking about God's creation. Uh, you'll, you'll start seeing the seasons of the earth begin to align. Things begin to come into alignment in God's calendar. And two weeks ago, I learned something I never knew after all these years of preaching this message. I never knew this until we started talking about shout. And I, st I was studying about shout and found out that shout comes from the word or the term yam teruhah. Yam teruhah. And yam teruhah is what comes from, literally is born out of the word Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. Okay? So I did not know that the correlation of shout had much to do with the season that we're about to enter into in just a couple weeks. And so when God was prophesying about shout, and that your breath is in your shout, and the fires of revival is going to begin, and fire of freedom is going to begin, and there was much more to that prophecy, even God was saying he's going to deal with your children. And, and I had no idea when God said, continue to shout, not this week, but the week to come. I had no idea God was actually beginning to align us into Rosh Hashanah, which is Yom Teruah, which means to shout. And church, I know the world looks crazy. I know it looks nuts. Look at me, everybody. This is what we were born for. This is what we were made for. We could have been born in 1875. Thank God. Because we, how we got along without the iPhone? Praise God. We needed some. But, you know, you just said you to kill your own meal. Come on, somebody. We wouldn't have survived. There's no Walmarts out there. Yes, it's tough. I say it was tougher back then. But from a, from a geopolitical realm and that kind of thing, I get that. And from uh, nations beginning to rise up against nations, yes, there's, it's a different world we live in. But my point is, we weren't born then. We were born right here and right now. And we've got so much to give God praise for and to shout about. Let, let, me, let, me, let me ask, how many of you could use a brand new season in your life? This is a moment where God begins to open the heavens. Rosh Hashanah means head of the year. It means new beginning. It means a new season. Let me say it again. Rosh Hashanah, this is in your Bible, means head of the year, new beginning, and a new season. This was what Jesus celebrated. This is what the apostles celebrated. This is what the, all the disciples and Christians celebrated for 300 years after Jesus' death until Constantine came and then messed with the calendar. We didn't, our calendar was never supposed to be January 1. All those January, February, those are all Greek gods. Or they, were to, they, were to, they were to be issued towards Greek gods. That was never something God had intended. God's calendar is completely different, and he wants us back on his time cycle because everything's in seasons and cycles. You don't plant seed, plant seed, plant seed without finally getting a harvest. There's, there's a season for that to take place. And so Rosh Hashanah begins this September, and it snuck up on us so quick, September 6th through the 16th. It is 10 
days. Everybody say, everybody say 10 days. It is 10 days where God begins to recycle the earth. He begins to recycle with his people, give them another start, a brand new start or brand new season if they so choose. And, I, and I, what I want to do is I want to walk you through the word of God. I'm going to do my best to get as far as I can. I already see the hour is late, but I'm going to do the best that I possibly can today. Leviticus 23.1 says this, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feast, everybody say the feast. That's not this, watch. Us here in Wisconsin, we think of festivals, we think of feasting, come on. We think of uh, one of those cake funnels, what are they called, our elephant ears. No, 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 my friend. Feast here means appointment with God, okay? So the appointment of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my appointments. Also, the tenth of the day, this tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. So now we're moving seventh month into the fall of the year. It shall be holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Okay. All right, real quick. So God says, I'm issuing a mandate. There's certain things I want. And he said this. He said, I want an offering during this time. Now, I might spend most of my time on this today. I'm going to get to something else. But I want you to know, offerings are no longer blood sacrifices. Aren't you glad for that? We don't have to offer bulls and goats and lambs and uh, pigeons and turtle doves and the rest. We don't have to offer blood at all. Matter of fact, that's not what God's speaking of in today's world, but it's still something that costs you. So an offering can't be just any old thing. It needs to be something that would cost you like it costs the life of that animal. Today, modern offerings and sacrifices are what we give financially to the house of God in order to fulfill the vision that God gave that church within that particular local community. It's no longer flesh and blood. So every time we give, we'll have an offering at the end of the service like we always do. Every time we give our tithe and our offering, we're doing what? We are making sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes forward, that the kingdom continues to advance, right? And we are literally giving an offering. We actually call it an offering. It's an offering unto God, just no longer the blood of a sheep or a goat. So when you give, or when we actually give our atonement offering, by the way, which is September 12th, and we'll talk more about that later, we give as a family. So together, we give. This is like our tent, right? Praise God. You all have your tents, but we have one big tent we come under. Uh, I'm talking about like an Old Testament terms or even New Testament. And, and we give together as a family or the family of God, right? And there might be different amounts. God might speak to you a certain amount that he doesn't speak to somebody else. And, and by the way, it's all relative because whatever amount God spoke to you is your obligation to obey that. And $10 may be the most you can possibly give or 10000 for somebody else. But my point is, it's all relative. So in other words, different amounts but equal sacrifice. Everybody gives. It's a sacrifice. It's an offering, but it's unto God for the furtherance of his kingdom or to take care of his kingdom and so on. So let me make this statement. Big destinies are housed in big hearts to give. Big destinies are housed in big hearts to give. You can't receive a big destiny without having the heart to give toward that destiny. You can't receive a big harvest unless you have what? You have a heart to give, sow in to that field to get that harvest. And church, here's the cool thing that I'm getting to, to today. There are seven blessings. Everybody say blessings. How many? Seven, God offers his people during this season if they will by faith receive them and obey his ways, okay? So 6th through the 16th, we're marking our calendars, right, is called the days of awe. 
is where we, we, we put God in awe. He's number one. He's, we push out everything else, and for 10 days we say, Lord, I've been busy, I've been too busy, but I'm going to give you these days of awe, to just to give you awe and your awe and wonder. And, and, and we give, there, there are 10 solid days of that, of awe, but also of repentance, getting things right with God. Man, this is so important. Forgiveness, releasing people that have angered or hurt us. Uh, it's releasing an offering to God. It's also a time of judgment where God judges his enemies on your behalf. Also, it's a time of atonement. So we call this the atonement season where God makes atonement for us, all right? These seven blessings can be found right in the book of Joel, chapter number two, which we're gonna break down here for you, okay? Joel 2.23 says this, be glad then, get happy, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, he's enough. For he has given you the former rain faithfully. You know, you look back over your life, you see God has definitely taken care of you. And he will cause the rain to come down for you. Watch this. The former rain and the latter rain where? In the first month. So again, God gives you two first months. One at, at the beginning of our Gregorian calendar, which is at Passover. And that's, at, that's the springtime of year. That's Easter. And then one toward the... Uh, the uh, fall of the year, the autumn season of the year, which is called atonement, okay? So this is the first month. This is, God, this is God's brand new season. There are two brand new years and every year with God. That's just like God. He's not the God to just give you one chance. He gives you a couple chances. He's working with you. So the first thing we see is he said he'll give you what? A latter rain and a former rain in that season, right? The first month. Well, number one, the first blessing is God promises and blesses you with a double portion. Could you use a double portion of God in your life? Okay, let's continue. What's interesting is that God tells us how to receive the double portion in verse 15 through 17, okay? Right there in Joel chapter 2, blow the trumpet of Zion, consecrate a fast. He's telling us what to do. By the way, blow the trumpet of Zion, blow the trumpet means to shout. It's a shouting thing. Shout, consecrate a fast, okay? We're gonna uh, subject our flesh during this time. Call a sacred assembly, okay? Gather the people, okay, we've done that. Sanctify the congregation, okay, that means to set apart the church. Uh, assemble the elders, the elders are here today. Gather the children nursing babes, they're here today. Let the bridegroom go out of, the, of their chamber and the bride from the dressing room. That means that we, we don't plan big events during this season. If you have, God understands, but maybe you will, Think about that for the next time. We, we don't do that because we want to give God all the attention. Let the priests and the ministers of the, of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. We're here on Tuesday nights doing that. Uh, let them say, spare your, your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? So God wants to show up. All right, now watch this in verse 12 and 14. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart He's telling us what to do during this time. Get rid of you, be number one. Turn to me with all your heart. With what? Fasting, with weeping, with mourning. That means to repent, to, send, to, to rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Hallelujah. He's slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. In other words, it's not on his mind to hurt anyone. He relents from it. He's not going to do that. He wants to work with his people. But there's certain things he requires. Obedience is better than sacrifice. 
So he needs our obedience. Look what happens as a result. Verse 18. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. Hallelujah. And you'll be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you reproach among the nations, but I will remove you far from the northern army and drive him away into a barren and desolate land. God's going to deal with our enemies with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor will rise because he has done monstrous things. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for you are for the open pastures are springing up, and, and, the, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then. Get excited. You, you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given you the former rain faithfully and he'll cause the rain to come down for you, the former and latter rain in the last month. Now, this is absolutely awesome because in those verses, he defines a few things. Number one, when we do this, God absolutely comes on the scene and responds. God absolutely comes on the scene and responds. Number two, all warfare stops. So the stuff you've been struggling with, the battles you've been going through has to stop during this season. Number three, I'm, I'm telling you what I know, it's prophetic now. And number three, the harvest comes how? In a double portion. Why is God giving you a double portion? Because the other people of faith in your family that don't have the faith you have and can't get the harvest you can get, and they're going to need our help over the next year. Somebody say amen. And church, to receive God's double portion and the other six blessings I want to talk about in just a minute, we have to live a life of repentance, getting things right, amen, making things uh, right in our lives. Um, let me quickly go to number two. Number two is financial abundance financial abundance. That's the blessing that God wants to give to us in this season. Joel 2.24 said this, we read it. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat. All your hard work goes, ends up in the threshing floor, right? You worked hard for six months, seven months laboring that field, right? To plant it, to till it, to water it, and to gather it. And now it's on the floor. He said, shall be full of wheat. You're going to get a big supply. And the vats that you have shall overflow with new wine and oil. Somebody say amen. Now, I did say new wine. Hallelujah. No alcohol in the new wine. Amen. It was a little bit of an alcoholic joke. Amen. So, and you get wine and oil. Representing who? The Holy Spirit in abundance. Praise God. So God says, I'm going to give this to you. So as a result of repentance, getting things right with God, offering him what he wants, we open ourselves to overflow and abundance. Isn't it time that we give God what he wants anyways? And usually it's the hardest things to give. It's the things that we want most. And he's like, yep, I know, because that's the area I need you to trust me the most in. I want to be number one, okay? So over and over through scripture, God shows us how to turn on cycles of financial increase in our lives. Malachi 3, 7 is so important. It's what we're going to do in just a few minutes, what we do every single Sunday. Watch what he says here, though. This is going to be so much a blessing, to the, especially those who give and challenging to those who don't. But he says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. Now, I'm still your father, but you walked away from me here and have not kept my ordinances. Return to me. It's so simple. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Amen? 
But you said, in what way shall we return? And then God proposes a question to the question. He said, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. God's not cursing you. The curse comes upon you. The giving, doing, being obedient to God is what releases the curse from you and releases the blessing to you. He said, the curse has come for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So he's saying, you've kept back to make sure that because you were in fear, what was supposed to be for me, my tithe, which is 10% of your, those that don't know, 10% of your income, you held that back because you were afraid. You didn't give it into my work or into my house. He says, got to go into my house. He said, not only did it hold you back, but it held back the whole nation. Why? Because I'm just going to be honest with you all, and you need to hear the truth. Only 10 to 12% of the entire church in America gives. What could we do if 100% gave? My God, we'd have had those schools built. We'd have had those orphanages done. We would have had those wells dug in Africa. We, there's so much we could do, right? But it was held back. He said, watch this, but here's the encouraging thing. He said, I know you got away from me, but you can get right back with me. He said, return to me. He said, and watch what happens. He said, he said bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Take care of my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I'm ready for that kind of blessing, hallelujah. And in some ways I've gotten it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, whatever been eating you up, beating up your finances, eating up your circumstances. I'll rebuke him so that he will destroy, not destroy this, this devourer, will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed. For you will be the delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So God says, I'm offering you a way out. The title of my message, he made a way. God always makes a way out of whatever bad situation we got ourselves in. And the first way is just returning to him. I ask him to forgive me, but is that, is that enough? It's almost there. The second part is, now I must obey what he's asking me to do. My wife and I have been practicing this principle for all these years. He's never not once let us down. Oh, there's been moments where we had to walk by faith, no doubt about that. But they've been pretty few and far between. Thank the Lord. He has taken care of us so much in our years. I could be nothing but grateful to God when it looked the bleakest God came through. I know it's because this principle has been operating in our lives. We've never shut the windows of heaven. We've never not obeyed God. But if we had, I would be right back. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm back on track. Because that's how God operates. He's the God who gives you not one chance, but two chances, even in the year. Praise God. I love that about him. Amen. So remember, the atonement offering is to be done from the heart. But the Bible is very clear that it must be done. So nobody can tell you what to give, but or, or even um, or, or, or an amount. But he does say we must all be a part of this, right? Deuteronomy 16 talks about it. I don't have time to get into that. You can read it for yourself. And uh, it talks about the fact that we have to have a willing heart to be willing and obedient. And then we eat the good of the land, okay? Uh, number three. Number three is restoration. So the third blessing we receive during the season is to be restored. Statement. Whatever's been revealed to you will be restored to you. 
Your health will be restored to you. Your peace will be restored to you. Your family will be restored to you. God told Abram, he said, what can you see? And he told me, he's teaching him how to see. He, he said, I see the sand, I see the stars. He said, so shall your descendants be. And then he said, now look for the place you are from this place to where you're going. He said, in every place you can see, he said, I will what? I will give you. Whatever's been revealed to you, come on, is what's going to be restored to you. If you can see it, if you can believe it, if you've already got it in your spirit that it's going to be done, it's got to happen for you. Come on, church. You can say amen to that. This God is the God of restoration. Joel chapter 2, verse 25 said, this is it. So I will restore, everybody say restore. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, and all them locusts out there. Be great, my great army, which I sent among you, God will restore. Have you ever seen a beautiful restored car? We were driving down Layton from our house and coming to church this morning, and, and every year they'll have them piled up in that little um, restaurant over there. I can't think of the name of it. The hangar, I think it's called, or something like that. And they got all these beautiful cars from the 60s and 70s, and I was admiring those cars. They are gorgeous. Y'all, if, if, you, if you didn't live in that time frame, you at least look at the cars. The cars are amazing. They'll never make them like that again. And to see something that should be beaten and rusted and old and tore up and shouldn't even really exist anymore beautiful and pristine and as good looking as a new car man is awesome why we know that car has been restored it's as in good or even better condition from the day it rolled off the assembly line isn't that awesome and that's what god will do for you and me somebody say amen god not only will restore us in the season but he will give us restitution uh for our damages somebody say amen to that Man, I don't have time to preach it, but the prodigal son is a good place to start. That boy didn't deserve nothing. He took all his father's wealth and spent it upon himself and his friends, and then he had nothing. And he returned back home, and the, 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 the father never condemned him. He kissed him. He loved him, put his own robe on his shoulders, his ring off his finger and his finger, and his shoes on his feet, and said, come eat. We're going to have a party. My son that was dead is alive. He's lost and now he's found. This is what God does. He doesn't judge you. He wants to restore you. Number four, miracles. God promises miracles are going to happen. Joel 2, 26. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously. That word means miraculously. With you and my people shall never be put to shame. I'm telling you, listen to this man of God. Miracles are about to happen. Mir and I'm telling you, now I don't know why I'm getting this in my spirit, but the next 10 weeks, you're going to find that God's done something sovereign for you. God's done a miracle for you. God's done a miracle for my wife. Somebody say amen. God's done a miracle for you as well. God will deal wondrously with his people. He's not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. Whatever he says has got to come to pass. Ain't got a choice. It's got to come. You can't get the toothpaste back in the toothpaste bottle. Once it's been squeezed out, it's done. And once God speaks a word, it's done. How many of you need a miracle to show up in your life? This is the time you act in faith. This is the time you act in faith. Number five, God removes shame. I said, God removes shame. This is big. Joel 2, 27, then you shall know that I'm in the midst of Israel, my church, and I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. 
You may, you may have made major, your major mistakes in your life, but God is going to remove your shame. You have made, maybe said the wrong things in your life, but God will remove your shame. Maybe everything went wrong and everybody's against you, but God will remove your shame. Somebody shout, take the shame, Lord. Take the shame, Lord. Come on. I wish I had time to go into that. Number six, God touches the whole family. He touches our whole family, Joel 2. See, we're still in Joel 2. All your blessings are right there during this season. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dream. I thank God that the older I get, I still got some stuff I can dream about. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me tell you something about the older you get. The more you realize you don't know nothing. I should think I should have it. But I, I was convinced at 25 I knew it everything. I'm not saying to anybody who's 25 that that's wrong. I'm saying I was literally convinced I knew everything I needed to know. Boy, was I stupid and ignorant, praise God. You find out you need more God than you ever need him. The older you get, the more reliant I become on him. And I'm going to dream dreams. Sons, daughters are going to prophesy. Uh, young men shall see visions. And again, uh, on my men's service and my maid service, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We've got to understand that God wants to touch the whole family. I mean, we've got to claim our marriages. We've got to claim our children. Some of you giving up on your kids. Well, one day, no, no, no. You've got to get back in that place. Listen to me, mother, especially mamas. There's something about mamas when they pray. You're like a bulldog. You just latch on. You won't let go. Dads sometimes get frustrated and they'll quit for a little bit and get back. But a woman, boy, she will not let go. I could preach to women now. We're going to get happy when I start preaching. Because I, I, get, I get a few things about women. When you carry a child for nine months to term in your belly, there's a bond you have with that child that no man can have. It's a totally different animal altogether. And so there's something about you that says, I will not let go. And I'm prophesying to moms in this place, listen to me about your kids. You've gotten a little bit lax. You've accepted their sin. You've accepted their, their behavior. And I'm here to tell you, God's saying, get back with me in the place of prayer. I want to turn some things around. I'm looking for some agreement. Pray for your grandkids the same way. Pray for your great-grandkids the same way. Our families need to be made whole again. I'm telling you, salvations are coming in the kingdom like never before. Psalms 115 says, may the Lord God increase you more and more upon you and your children. We sing that song. It's right from the word of God that God will bless us up to a thousand generations. And finally, number seven, deliverance. God promises the blessing to be delivered. Joel 2.32, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's salvation soteria. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, everything restored. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant who the Lord calls. So Psalms 21.31 says the horse is for the bridle, but deliverance is from the Lord. Your salvation, your deliverance comes from God. I just said a moment ago, if you depend upon yourself, you have limited, limited, limited resources. But if you depend upon God, God can do anything. By the way, God's got a multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar system to get you out of your problem. Not, not talking about dollars, I'm talking about more ways. Multi-billion, trillion dollar, I'm not saying dollars, trillion ways to get you out of your problem. He can. He's got so many creative ideas, but the Bible says he promises the way of escape. 
He knows exactly what you need right at the moment that you need it. He wants to bring you deliverance. We need his blessing for that to come into our lives. This is that season. I'm pumping you up. I'm building your faith today to get you prepared and get you ready. Next week we'll talk about a little more, but I want you to get ready. September 6th, get ready, get planning for it now. For those 10 days, say, I'm going to give that time to God. And whatever he expects of me, I will do no matter what because I want a new season. I want these blessings in my life. He also said he promised to release an angel. He releases angels during this season to us specifically. And by the way, when we were praying for Afghanistan, I, I saw a release of angels. How many ever heard of Kat, Kat Kerr? Kat Kerr, anybody? Somebody had, she's a prophetess of God, and she teaches a lot about God's allowed her to go to heaven many times and bring back heaven information from the throne of God. And I, you don't have to believe her, but I, I do. I believe her and, um, because I, I see how she stays with the word. I'm a word guy, so if I can back to the word, I'm good. And, um, and she talks about how God's given us authority, if we understand this, to release angels from heaven, but not just a few, billions. He, she said, you don't understand, there are multiplied trillions of angels in heaven that are prepared, that can overwhelm the devil at any moment. But God relies on his people to release their faith for those angels to go forth. Well, how about release our faith now? Let's get our angels moving, right? Amen. <laughs> Let's make it happen.